Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. The epistle is from Romans chapter 1. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed, from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, when businesses struggle, yes, when businesses struggle, an owner or manager will oftentimes reach out to a marketer. And that marketer, he will come into that business, into that area, and do a demographic study. A demographic study helps the owner or the manager understand the makeup of the people, the characteristics of the people, potential customers around the business. With this statistical data, this stats and data, the marketers will then help the business make adjustments in their branding, adjustments in their products, the selection of the products, and the mission of the business in order to appeal, I repeat, to appeal to a particular group of people. The idea is quite simple. If the business can then adjust to the wants and the needs and the interests of a particular group of people, that particular group of people will then begin to shop at the business and with these new customers, well, the business has profit It grows and is sustained. Now keep in mind that this kind of demographic work is very important. I am not knocking it. It is very important for the success of a business. Businesses that do not adapt to the changing demographics and the different desires and the needs of those around them will often find themselves out of business. The mantra is this for business. Adapt or die. 
Unfortunately, though, these kind of business marketing techniques are often implemented in the church. For example, many churches will hire church growth gurus or church doctors, if you will, and they will come into the church, into a local church, and they will do a spiritualized version of a demographic study. As a result, the church will gather information about people who live around that church, such as ethnicity and education and age and habits and likes and interests and so forth. Once compiled, church leadership in these churches will narrow in on a particular group of people that they want to attract into that service on Sunday morning. More often than not, it is the young people that they search after. And so to attract whatever group they have zoned in on, the church will adjust its architecture, its music, language, attire, and branding in order to woo these people in to the doors and into the pew. Now, there's a catch-22 to this, as there is for most things in life. The catch-22 to all of this is this. By making these adjustments on behalf of a particular group of people, the church begins to alienate segments of of members already in the church. And it will alienate potential future members outside of the doors. Furthermore, if the existing members in the church are not like the people that are being targeted, then they better change. They better change to be like them or keep their mouths shut. Otherwise, they'll be called out as showing disunity in the church. And probably the worst part of this whole strategy is that the architecture, the music, the language, the attire, the branding of the church are no longer centered on the gospel, but upon a particular segment of people. Now, with all of that stated, what does this have to do with us today? My friends, in our epistle reading from Romans, the Apostle Paul says that he is obligated to the Greeks and the barbarians. The Apostle Paul, he says that he's obligated to the wise. Yes, the wise and the foolish. In other words, Paul saw these demographic differences, these demographic differences during his time as insignificant. He saw these human judgments and these classifications of people as irrelevant when it came to the gospel. You see, during the time of the Apostle Paul, there were people called Hellenists. Yes, Hellenists. These Hellenists saw distinctions in people as very important. According to the Hellenists, there were the Greeks. The term, the Greeks, came to be synonymous with people who were polished, refined, wise, civilized, and cultured. On the other hand, all those other people who were not included under the name the Greeks, all these other people over here, well, they were the barbarians. They were called barbarians because they were not Greek-speaking. They were considered foolish and unrefined. These barbarians were regarded as ignorant and unpolished people of society. And as previously mentioned, these Hellenists, they saw these demographic differences as very important. But my friends, 
the Apostle Paul, he did not consider these differences to be of importance. Indeed, these classes of people and these demographic differences meant absolutely nothing to him. The reason why? The gospel is for all. That is why. The gospel is for all. It is for the Greeks and it is for the barbarians. The gospel is for the wise and the unwise. It is for the old and the young. It is for the hip and the nerdy. It is for males and female. The gospel is for the civilized and the uncivilized. It is for the city slicker and the farm boy. The gospel is for all. But how on earth can a church appeal to such a vast spectrum of people that we find ourselves within in our culture? How can the church appeal to such a vast spectrum of people? It can't. You see, it is humanly impossible for Christians to gather such a vast spectrum of people into one place. And that is the reason why so many churches have resorted to focusing their efforts towards a particular segment of people. In other words, if a pastor and church leadership are gifted enough, it is rather easy to gather a large crowd of people that have similar wants and interests and needs. We humans like to be with people who are like ourselves. However, this is not the church. This is not how the church works. This is not what Paul has in mind from our epistle reading in Romans. You see, the Apostle Paul, he knew that the gospel was the power and is the power of God unto salvation. He knew that no human doctrine, no worldly philosophy, and no marketing strategy could speak to the Greeks and the barbarians alike. Yes, to both alike. But rather... Yes, rather, it is the simple message of Jesus Christ that is the power of God for the Greeks and the barbarians alike, as just previously stated. That is to say, my friends, the gospel is not merely accompanied by the power of God under certain circumstances for certain people, but it is in of itself at all times the power of God. So, we do not have to find segments of people to proclaim the gospel to, as if, as if the gospel only works on certain types of people. Instead, the church proclaims the gospel to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise, to the unwise, to the old, the young, the hip, the nerdy, males, female, and so forth. The end, the list is endless. The church does not worry itself about who it is proclaiming the gospel to, for the gospel is to be proclaimed to everyone, and the gospel has the power to bring salvation to all. The gospel, it delivers Greek sinners and barbarian sinners from sin and death and damnation. The gospel, it brings and delivers the Greeks and the barbarians. It delivers to them life and salvation. Dear friends, the church does not need different messages for different groups of people, for there is only one gospel for all nations. The church does not need a marketing strategy to appeal to a particular segment of people. The church 
does not need this. For the church, get this, does not appeal to segments of people, but proclaims the gospel to all. The church knows that the gospel is suited to overcome obstacles in its way. The gospel is mighty. It has gone against the sins of the world. It has been proclaimed into every tongue and tribe and group and generation and continent to save sinners of all grades, which includes you and me. Show me a church that is adjusting its architecture, adjusting its music, its language, attire, and branding to the cultural fads of the day, and you will see a church that either does not know the gospel or underestimates the power of the gospel or perhaps is ashamed of the gospel. And what about those churches that are so-called stuck in tradition? Well, tradition is only helpful and good if it promotes the gospel. And if a tradition does not confess the gospel and is used in a way to attract people who are more traditionally minded, well, that church is no different than the church that is marketing itself. To the point, all ceremonies in the church should serve the purpose of teaching the people what they need to know about Jesus. And the reason why? Because upon the good news of Jesus and his forgiveness of sins, the gospel, the church stands. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. For salvation for you, for me, and for our neighbors. Ceremonies, yes, ceremonies, and architecture, and music, and language, and attire, and branding, no matter how appealing to the masses, if it is not about the gospel, it is nothing more than a clanging, empty gong. Useless noise. And so, we Christians, we rejoice when we hear the gospel in our readings. We rejoice when we see the gospel in our architecture. We rejoice when we hear it in the sermons. We rejoice when we sing it in our music. We rejoice when we speak it in our liturgy. For we know that it, the gospel, is the power of God unto our salvation. And we also know that this gospel is not to be kept to ourselves or limited to people who are like us. We know that we do not exclusively appeal to particular segments of culture for Jesus did not limit his work. He redeemed the whole world by his precious blood on the cross. Even barbarians and fools like you and like me. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is about the forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of your sins. It is proclaimed into your ears. It grants you faith. It sustains you in this life and into the next. The power of God unto salvation, your salvation, your neighbor's salvation for all of us. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon 
from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.